Would you please bless and honor Doug Addison? Thank you so much. You guys are great. Wow. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Father. We thank you for open heavens. God, I thank you that even this fire angel from 2009... That was 2009, and I had just gotten back from South Africa, and I had a whole angel download, actually an angel upgrade. I had angel encounters before, but this was definitely Angel 3.0 when I got home from South Africa in 2009. I've been going through a terrible rejection time. Uh, in the natural realm, I was really rejected. I was in a forgotten mode. I was uh, really crying out to the Lord. And uh, it's called intercession, but it more sounded like complaining at that uh, time. And the Lord really visited me in South Africa. And I had um, uh, assignments of angels. And ever since then, I, uh, those angelic encounters and inter- interactions have been very, very rich. It's, it's how I get a lot, of, a lot of the revelation that I release on the daily prophetics and everything. It's a lot of that is because of the angelic activity. Well, there was three angels assigned to me, and it was so it rocked me so much. I've been around the church enough to yeah, I've been around for a number of years. Uh, you know, I have been saved uh, for a little bit anyway, and um, uh, enough to say that wow, I didn't understand this. So I called the only person I knew in two thousand nine that understood angels, and his name was Bob Jones. He's a prophet. He's in heaven now. But the the trippy thing about Bob, and this, that's why I'm explaining this picture, the, the trippy thing about someone at Bob Jones's level, I've been to Bob Bob's house, not since he's been in heaven. I've not been in that one. But just say, <laughs> when you're talking about Bob Jones, you got to really specify. Uh, he was at my house last week. I, I kid you not. And uh, it, and so he would sit there and have his phone unplugged. And I'd watch him. He'd be sitting there, and then he would reach down when he'd hear the Lord, plug the phone in, and just pick it up. It would ring. He'd pick it up and go, hello. <laughs> he'd give him the word or whatever, and he'd hang up, and he'd unplug the phone. And I watched him do that. He didn't answer it very often. So I knew when I was calling him from South Africa, I knew that if he answered, it was going to be a miracle, first of all, because he had never answered the phone for me. I had to go to his house to get a word. He never answered the phone for me. And uh, the other thing that was going on is it was in South Africa and, and uh, in Cape Town. And the, the phone cards weren't working. I couldn't even call my wife. You know, and I wasn't even checking in with my wife. And so I didn't know how I was going to call Bob. And so I ended up having to go out and scab some Internet off of a neighbor about midnight in Cape Town, South Africa. I'm mean, picturing this. So I was, I was looking for two bars. So I'm holding up sideways, getting ready to Skype Bob Jones. And finally, bam, I get two bars. I have to hold it up sideways, call Bob. He picks the phone up and he says, hello. And I had two questions for him. And one of them was a specific date. It was March something or other. And, and the other was something that I hadn't actually seen since 1994. And so he said to you, did the Lord speak to you? And he gave me the date. That's how he opens the conversation. The Lord speak to you on this date? Gives me the date. I go, yes. He goes, I haven't seen that since 1994. I go, yeah. And he says, bye-bye. No, wait. Wait, wait. So he did tell me something. 
He said that he got his mantle, his prophetic mantle came from Africa. And he always said when he was di- when he died, it was going to go back to Africa. People think they have it? Uh-uh. We get pieces of his assignment. We get keys and gifts. They hang on all those little dangly things that hang off of someone's robe. Those fell off when he went back to heaven. And they were picked up by people who were looking for him. But nobody got that mantle. I'll tell you that. I, I traveled with Bob, my personal friend with him. And uh, so he, I just knew this. He said, he said Reinhard Bonnke got his mantle from, uh, from Africa. He says, I got my mantle from Africa. And he says, you're getting yours from Africa. And that's what happened to me is I got a mantle. I didn't even know about a mantle back then. I got a mantle. I know. Uh, I lost weight when I got the mantle because... It, Anyway, uh, <laughs> it was supernatural weight loss hit me right away. Like the first thing, wow, wow. I thought I was going to expand and sit up in the incredible, incredibly shrinking profit up here. My new DVD coming out, does this shirt make me look fat? You know, it's a, it is a routine I'm working on. I hope to do it. But anyway, uh, what happened to me is I got assigned three angels. And they've been at my meetings ever since. I had to learn to work with angels and th- different things. And, and uh, ever since I've had these meetings, they would be love, revelation, and fire. Now, we had to, my wife, who's the administrative one of the bunch, uh, she actually got wisdom. And she doubled our liability insurance when we, <laughs> when we got... Because <laughs> when fire shows up, Stuff happens that we're not responsible for. <laughs> we're, not, we're not responsible for broken or lost items. <laughs> and so love and revelation are the two main angels that travel with me. And they come into the room and y'all, you'll know when they come in. And you'll know when they come in. You, you know how I know when they start coming in? is because I'd be at a, speaking at a conference at a meeting and all of a sudden, right before lunch... Right before, this is how you know when you dismiss a group of Christians, hungry Christians, at lunch and no one moves. Nobody moves at 12 noon. And I said, that's the Lord. Wow. He like dismantled the buffet. Wow. So that's what happens when love comes in the room. When love comes in, the angel love comes in. Revelation comes in. And they usually come in like pillars. You know, they stand. Uh, and I've had to do a lot of study of angels since then. And, and so uh, my ministry is in Light Connection, in case you don't know. And my, my website, I always forget to mention, DougAddison.com is cleverly disguised. That's spelled A-D-D. Uh, <laughs> I-S-O-N. And um, how many people get the daily prophetic words? Anybody? If you're not getting them, get them. I've been releasing daily prophetic words. Now you, oh, you can take, oh, the angel. See the halo up there? And then the feet down there and the wing. And then it was blowing fire on me. I'm behind that doing comedy <laughs> at Blazing Fire Church. I think that might have been 2010. It was about a year after I, I, I got the upgrade. And angel, the fire angel really didn't come all that much. But someone, I don't know who it was, someone took a video from their cell phone. They might even be here. 
That is, and what happened is that was the last clip or the screen that it froze on. You couldn't see it on the picture, but when the ended, that was what it ended. And that's how I felt when I was up there. But I was doing stand-up. No, you know, I was doing stand-up comedy is what I do. And apparently it, it proves that the anointing doesn't lift. <laughs> anyway. So you can, uh, you can take that down and whatever, whatever else. Up oh, there's darkness now. <laughs> But you can follow me on Facebook, The Doug Addison, and get the daily prophetic words and all the fun prophetic stuff I release. And also on, on Twitter, Doug T. Addison. That's T for Thomas. Yes, my mom gave me a presidential name, Douglas Thomas uh, Addison. There's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of asses in that name. <laughs> Did I say that? That's a... <laughs> The anointing still hasn't lifted, by the way. And kids, that's what one S. That's D-O-U-G-L-A-S. Douglas Thomas Addison. And and so it was a lot of pressure having that kind of name. You know, like you're supposed to be something having one of those. (laughs) So uh, Doug T. Addison is a Twitter and on Instagram, Doug T. Addison as well. Uh, and on the daily prophetics, if you want to get them in your inbox, your, <clears throat> your email, that's what I do. I get it delivered to my email, so you can go on my website and just sign up for it, and you'll get it delivered to your email address. And, you know, I get it delivered myself because I get them way in advance. Uh, God told me about five years ago when the gifts shifted. By the way, they've just shifted again. But five years ago, the gifts shifted. And he says every time the gifts shift, when you have a, a, a spiritual gift, it's not like you're going to... You know, have another gift or anything. You still have the the same gift, but you have freedom to use it in a different way. The expression then comes, like for instance, remember when when we uh, were, you know, we have painting and things like that happening, and then suddenly they start painting up front with the worship and all that. That was a shift of the expression of that artistic gift. And then some people brought in pottery and dancing and, and all kinds of different... The, the art started to come back in. That was a, a shift of the gift. Uh, a shift in the gift in the music. You know, I've been prophesying for a long time now. I've been prophesying the, a new sound from heaven. I kept hearing and having dreams of a new sound. And we're all wondering, what is it? Is it a tuba? You know, I mean, we're wondering. <laughs> Everyone's wondering, is it, is it, you know, what kind of, is it a cello? Because I had a dream once of an electronic cello, and everyone's trying to find what it is. Oh, my. Last year I heard it. You know what it is? It's not an instrument. It's a sound. And it is the combination of declaration prayers with worship. And here's what happens. When the, when the gift shift, it shifted. And when the gift shifted, we start using it different. Like, for instance, I'm using stand-up comedy with prophetic. And so when I start doing that, it was offensive to some. You know? It'll, the, new, the, 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 the new things offend the old. That's what happened when Jesus came. The old was offended. And it's just a biblical thing. Every time something new comes, the old... That's why you don't want to get offended. Don't, don't get offended now. Right? Honestly. You don't want to... Come off the fence. The offense. Come off the... Get off the fence. You know. And uh, get, take off de-robe. We need to de-robe. Get out of the judgment close. That's the new thing. That God's doing something new right now. The gifts are shifting. And I heard the new sound from heaven... 
And someone came up to me and says, we're in a worship guy. I was going tell you what, I've been traveling for a long, long time, training people on hearing God and understanding dreams and uh, discovering your destiny and all this fun stuff. And I'm in, I was in 150 meetings a year for 10 years. I never missed one meeting. I never even missed a flight. Now, I missed connection flights, but I never missed a flight. I only lost my bags twice, and it was a prophetic word for where I was going. I have travel angels with me, and in other words, I've seen a lot. I've been in meeting after meeting. I'm a, I'm a spiritual atmosphere guy. That's why I, I sometimes can't stay in worship because I'm, in, I'm, I'm understanding the spiritual atmosphere, and sometimes I can't, I, I can't maintain in, uh, in certain worship times or whatever shifts. I'm, I'm constantly like a forecaster. I'm, I'm picking up on that stuff. And so I'm in these meetings, just telling you this. Someone turns to me about, maybe it was about two years ago, and they turned to me and said, because we're all vineyard people, I am anyway, we're all, we all go back to the vineyard and the worship and all this stuff. And, and when the gifts shift, that messes with the music because God begins to speak and sing, listen, to another group of people. Besides you. Because you're already here. I mean, you're in, right? Are you in? Are you card-carrying member? If you're not yet, you will be by the time of this end of this meeting. I'm going to give out uh, membership cards to the kingdom. Uh, open heaven cards are going to be distributed by angels tonight. Yeah, I'm serious. So uh, I'm sitting next to someone. And the first thing that's going to happen is God begins to sing an, or, or, or release a new sound when we've been doing the old sound too long and is no longer being effective to reach people. And so what happened in, with this judgmental thing that started going on, coming down with the church, you know what God did? He turned the knobs so that the worship leaders started hearing love music. Remember? Suddenly we had that, that Bethel style of love. Everything was the Father's love. And that was because there was a judgmental spirit out there. And God starts to, he messes with the music. That's what he does. And how he messes with the music is with the music leaders. And they don't even know it most times. But I'm a spiritual atmosphere guy. I'm here to report that the, God God is doing something new in the music. He always is. He's always uh, uh, he's always messing with the music, and that's why when the vineyard got anointed with John Wimber, that was to come out of uh, a a discipleship movement. This is, the discipleship movement came after the Jesus People movement. Jesus People movement was crazy. The hippies came in, <laughs> you know. Jesus is just right with me. Yeah, they were they were just that was a loosey goosey move of God. Now we needed that. It, it, honest, we needed that. But it made the other group mad. They got mad at that. So they turned it around and they said, Well, we're just gonna snap this thing back into shape. And the discipleship movement came and it was all rule based. Now, it went too far, though. They, they, they keep swinging that pendulum back and forth. Back. And so, because it all got rule-bound again, then the vineyard comes along and brings it back about him. It's not about you. It was about him, right? But guess what? That doesn't work anymore. That's old vineyard people where we say, it's not about you, it's about him. Guess what? It's shifted now. It's about you. 
I'm here to announce it is about you. And it's okay to be about you. Because if it's in this in the season we're in right now, you are being called. You are being called to a new level of maturity. You are being called to Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself, therefore, in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of whose? His heart? No. Your heart. Now, that wouldn't have worked with that other group. Nuh-uh. Mm-mm. It's only Jesus. It's all the Lord. It's not even me. I'm not even here. That's false humility in this season. The I don't want to be uh, seen. You know, I don't even look at me. It's not going to work in this time because we are trying to reach a group of people in the world who need the Lord who are looking to you. They are looking at you. And they want to know something that works. So if you're doing the disappearing act on them, like Violet in, in uh, the, the Incredibles, she just disappeared. <laughs> then she found out later, oh, she could put a force field around things. Yeah, she got into her gifts. At, at that, the Lord was speaking that. I heard this is where I got the word, was watching the Incredibles. Is that, that Violet was the incredibly uh, disappearing Girl, because that was false humility, and and many Christians. If if you're now still in the in the old of it's no oh it's not me. Now don't get me wrong, we have to get rid of pride, but don't get rid of it to the place. I mean, don't get rid of yourself. Now, as I'm talking, I'm hearing a buzzing in my ear, which means I am actually dismantling strongholds right now. Dismantling stronghold. Bring in the Holy Spirit bomb squad. <laughs> because the enemy's trying to use old things to di- to blow you up, to di- to get you to blow. I mean, you know, to stop your encounters. He's using the old things, old theologies and ways of doing things that no longer work. So the new music comes in, right? The old music was, a while back anyway, it's not about you, it's about him, which it was for that season. Now we're, we came into a season where it's about you. And so I'm sitting in a meeting in, uh, a couple years ago and someone comes, she uh, turns to me and, and I knew it was, she goes, you know, I'm about tired of this. Do you know how many you's and I's are in those worship songs? And I was like, what are you doing? You're sitting back here counting? Uh, one you. Two you's. Three you's. <laughs> Don't even mention eyes. Five eyes. Six eyes. Because it was offending a group of people, a lot of people in the room. They were thinking that it was self-centered worship songs. But the Lord said, this is what the Lord says. He says, no, it's not. It is declarations of who you are. We are, right? I am. That's why on the worship music, you'll see I and you, and they're speaking the things uh, that that are in heaven on earth as it is in heaven, speaking the things in heaven on you. 
Now, I hope this. Now, see, the buzzing went away. I had to keep doing this until I broke it. I broke something opened up for some people. I wasn't even going to talk about this. But this is the new sound from heaven is declaration worship. Declaring who you are. And it's so powerful. And it's because God is inviting people. Let me just go to the meat of everything. This is supposed to be at the end. I'll just go there right now. Well, fast forward. And here's what God's doing right now. He is inviting you to the table of the king. Listen, I had an encounter. I had a vision and an encounter. And I saw the king's table. There he was. The king was at the table. That was the Lord. And there was uh, this table was so long, it went on to eternity. I couldn't even see the end of the table. But it had the chairs of sons and daughters of the king, and they were mostly empty. There was a few of them up there. But you know where everyone was? They were all standing, lined up as servants around the table, all around. Everyone was like this. You know, with the butler uniform on, all nice. I mean, not a spot on it. You know, there was definitely people around with spot removers in case you got one on you. (laughs) Shining everything up, keeping you all holy, holy, holy. All so cleaned up and squeaky clean. And doing nothing but staying clean. And the kingdom of God is more than staying clean. Don't get me wrong here. <laughs> There's freedom. And the Lord gave me a word to give the church. He said, you guys, a lot of people are going to be ripped off, feel ripped off once they get to heaven. Because the Lord says this. He says, you can have fun. You could have had way more fun than you realized on earth. Way more. That's why I'm a court jester now. That's why he sent me to tell, release fun over people because I, I go into heaven. I see into heaven. Now there's a serious side of God and there's, and there's the fun because now we are in a time where we need to offset it with fun and joy and these good, good things. So here we go. Here we go. We got the, we got the king, the king's table, right? And all these servants, butlers, were like elbow to elbow, hands out, saying, whatever you do, Lord, I'll do it. Waiting for their commands. And you know who was there? Bunch of you guys. That's who. All of us. I was there. I was lined up. And it was whatever you want. I don't even, in fact, I don't even want to do it if it's not the Lord. Oh, my goodness, if it's not God. What if it was me doing it? That fear... And the Lord says, well, what if it was you? That would be amazing. If you did something. And so we get scared and fear sets in and we stop taking risks. And we stop carrying the Lord to places and we try to stay in that butler mode. And then... The Lord said this. He said, You're, he said, everybody's invited to my table. And I went and took a seat at the table. This was actually in 1994. And I was in a, a meeting when the Toronto Blessing came to San Francisco. 
And I happened to, I never got to go to Toronto, but that's all right. I went to, uh, it was four Chinese vineyard churches. And when, when uh, John Wimber, uh, excuse me, John Arnott and Randy Clark came, it was to the four, were you at that meeting? No, but uh, uh, with the four Chinese vineyards, that was funny, I tell you what. You see uh, 500 uh, Asians starting to laugh. They were all real serious and straight. And then you see their heads bobbing and they all start to laugh, you know. And I'm not making fun of anybody because I was one of them. But I got whacked in that meeting. And I mean, I was being pulled off the ground and slammed down. Like maybe I was probably three feet off the ground. I was like... And Randy Clark came up to me and pointed. And he said, and his message basically is the same thing. I didn't know it back then. He says, come out of the bunkhouse and stop being a servant. Well, actually, on the, our family crest from England, Addison, because I, I am, I am uh, English, and um, our family crest uh, in Latin translates to live is to serve, which means we were butlers. We were servants. And I was used to, generationally, I lived in the bunkhouse. I lived in the servant quarters. I lived, generationally, I lived in that place of service. And I learned from my mom to be a servant, the servant of all servants. But you know what? There's a season change. The gifts shifted. And it's time now to come to the table of the king. You're all invited. I sit there. You know what's so cool about being at the table? Especially like me. I'm the youngest. So it's easy for me to be, you know, to be the comedian or something. It's easy for me to, in the kingdom, I get away with more. Don't the youngest get away with stuff? Then, they get away with stuff because by then... Uh, you know, your parents are just too burned out from everything they've been through. Whatever. They've taken it all out on the older ones. Who, by the way, they don't need therapy because they take it all out on the youngest one. That's why I married a therapist. It saved me a lot of money. <laughs> wow. So we're being invited to the table... This is the year, your invitation, invitations went out. Listen, if you're taking notes, invitations went out at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur this year in September of 2015. They went out to the table of the king. And now he can turn to you and say, what do you want? Now, this is a trippy thing for servants. You don't. No one ever asked the servant what they want. Well, it's whatever you want. No, I ain't telling you. That's when I married Linda, my wife. We've been married 20 years. It's amazing. Yeah. The secret is we don't own a gun. I'm into gun control. (laughs) Because we'd have shot each other a long time ago. (laughs) My wife's FBI, full-blooded Italian. All four grandparents from Italy. That means she's right. That means... Uh... <laughs> I 
Have you ever met the spirit of truth before? If you want to, you know, if you ever want to meet the spirit of truth, come over to my house. My wife is the spirit of truth. Well, see, I didn't know that the first five years of our marriage. I didn't. I hadn't. Anyway. I love, I love my wife. I have nothing but honor for Linda. But here's the deal is that, uh, the, with, with, with that spirit, with all that stuff that God's doing, that new, new, new stuff, He's calling us to that place of authority. Of authority. That, you know what? He turns to you. Oh, this is what Linda did. I remember this now. I was like a, all right, I'll be honest with you. We can talk, right? I'm not this way anymore. But I was so labeled with all kinds of things. I went to a church that labeled you. We were the labeling. They almost had a little label machine on the back. Yeah. You know, instead of your name, you know, uh, they'd have a label they'd put on you. Oh, uh, you know, love's too much. I'm not I'm codependent. Alcoholic. I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, adult child of an alcoholic. Uh, narcissistic idiot. Uh, you know, they... Uh, <laughs> You ever been to one of those churches? Well, I had to leave there to get healed. But anyway, that was back in the 80s and 90s. So I was going to one of those churches that labeled. So I was labeled as a, as a uh, I, I love too much and I have bad boundaries. And, and uh, I was labeled as that, that, that guy, you know. Well, so when I married Linda in 94, I was already in, you know, I'd already been in 10 years of therapy so I could get married. That's, I really wanted to... Because I'd already tried marriage twice. Me and Rod Stewart have about the same amount of wives. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> that's why Linda didn't want to marry me. I look bad on paper. I look real bad on paper. I've been redeemed, guys. I've been redeemed. I was a meth addict. I was a meth addict. I was an alcoholic. You know, I've been married twice. And here I'm going out with this woman who's never been married and she's a marriage family therapist. And she looked at me after one date and she goes, I just felt like I better just spill my guts on the first date. You know, I was like, she's prophetic too. She's probably going to pick up on. I just dumped everything on her. She went home and says, I really like that guy. Back, her roommate was like it. Like it. And, um, like it, Chan was her roommate, and she went home to like it and said, uh, "This was 21 years ago." She said, "You know, I really like that guy, but man, does he have a lot of problems." <laughs> and the Lord said, "Do you believe in redemption?" And so, yeah. So we got married a year later, and guess what? We're now. I'm still like working through my stuff back then. Still working. Th- I was in progress, which I still am. So she would always say to me, "She helped me because she helped." For me, she would say, I, I, I was the youngest in a family of alcoholics. They're all in heaven now. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, it was like a, I was always the peacemaker trying to keep the peace in the family. So she would ask me, uh, like we'd be up and making breakfast. She'd go, uh, how do you want your eggs? i go, well, I don't really care. How are you having yours? Then she said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> what? I didn't know how I liked my eggs. I do now. I don't eat them. (laughs) 
But there was a point when I was eating eggs, and I found out that Italians put like Italian seasonings and basil on your eggs, and and anus or whatever that stuff is. <laughs> It tastes like licorice. I realize that stuff's in everything. And I realized about a year into my marriage, I don't like that stuff on it. You're going to put something on, put some bacon fat on it. Roll those eggs in some sausage grease for me. Because my family was Southern. Amen. Yes. Yes. And I'm celebrating being a Gentile. You, Hey, listen, people are trying to become Jewish nowadays. I don't get that. What do you want to become Jewish for? That's like, you know, white people trying to be black. You don't want to do that. It's like, my Jewish friends are like, what are you Christians doing? Don't. The apostle Paul even said it. He said, why do you want to go back into that? Everyone's trying to be Jewish. Now, I'm very Gentile. I just want you to know. I'm quite Gentile. I'll eat the Hebrew hot dogs. I will. I honor Jerusalem. Yes, I do. But I have freedom to be Gentile. Yes. I, I love it. I didn't even know what a Gentile is. I know that when I was a kid, I misread it. I'm, I'm dyslexic. And I misread it. I can't say this because this, this is an all-age show here. But you can imagine how I misread it. And I went to my mom and says, hey, mommy. What is that? And I, I, that word that started with the G, uh, and uh, I said it wrong, like almost like an anatomy. It was my King James Bible. She, uh, this is a true story. And my mama, Southern, she looked at it. I, I go, Mommy, what, what is this word? And she says, Well, son, I don't know. But there was a bunch of Jews and those things in there. Yeah. In fact, that's where I got my comedy from. My mama. Oh, she was funny. And uh, I love my mama. Honor your mother and father. Live long. That's why I'm, I'm going to live long. I'm going to live long. Because I was raised by a charismatic mama. Listen, do you know any charismatic? Were you raised by a charismatic mama? Now, some mamas... Uh, turned out, uh, you know, you got to be careful. Now. You don't want to become, like, you don't want to become some, uh, you know, like a Gestapo general mama. You want to be a fun mama or father, whatever you are. But I was raised by a charismatic mama who was prophetic. Oh, that's where I got my gift. Oh, boy, I never got away with anything. I could not understand, even before my mom was back in the church, you know, she she'd never been out of the kingdom but she kind of went flap flopping around for a while. It didn't matter. I'd, come, I'd do something, come home. She'd go, she'd be at the, she'd be at the door. What'd you do? I go, How, what, what? How, nothing, nothing. I didn't do it. I'd walk in saying, I didn't do it. <laughs> and then when I, here's what happened. Here's how the fear of the Lord got in me. Is when I was five years old, my mom had that big picture of Jesus. You ever see one that the eyes that follow you? It was a bleeding heart of Jesus. Where his nail prints are there and the heart has the fire around it and the, the thorns are around the heart and it's dripping blood. This is a picture. 
when I was five, and the eyes would follow. And you know where she put it? Right over that desk that she kept her stuff, like her gum and her change. I had to contend with the Lord at age five. I'd try to steal a nickel to go up to the store back then, 1964. That, that, you know, we'd take a nickel. That would go a long way. And uh, I'd try to go lift a nickel or, or a piece of dentine because every charismatic mom has got to have dentine. Because if your breath is fresh, you're fresh. <laughs> so I'd have to go in there and, con- and I would try to slide in on the side, but those eyes... Somehow they were 3D back then. And that bleeding heart. And whenever I would take something, the Lord, uh, my mom, next thing to the Lord, would come in and say, Look, he's crying over you. His blood was shed for you. Then she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Because we were Nazarene back then. Then she goes and gets filled with the Holy Ghost. But the Nazarene weren't allowed to wear makeup. And my mama was a beautiful woman. I tell you, when she got filled with the Holy Ghost, she started wearing makeup. Oh. Wow. She also... I'd come home and I'd say, Hey, Mom, uh, how are you? Well, how was your day? I got a new tongue. Oh, yeah. You ever get one? You ever, Mom, will come home? I got a new tongue. And here's my mother. She's a Southern. She's from West Virginia. Name was Polly. Polly Prater. And uh, she was she's an amazing woman. But boy, that little woman, she was you know like this. And she'd say, "Oh, I, I got a new tongue today." And then she'd you know, she'd turn around. She was like an angry Asian woman all of a sudden. She's doing kung fu tongues. This is before Jackie Chan. This was 1969. My mom was pre-Jackie Chan. She was pre-all those kung fu movies. Everybody was kung fu fighting. She was taking stuff on. Oh, my goodness. And then my mom, who was so quiet and everything, but if I would do anything or I'd get around my friends, that's what I was blaming on my friends, I'd come home with a spirit on me. And she'd meet me at the door, you know. I'd get around my other friends, and she'd meet me at the door, and suddenly, you know, come off of him in the name of Jesus. She's Rambo. And then she'd quote the Bible to everybody. Didn't matter. I'd be my teacher at school. And the teacher would start confessing something over me that wasn't true or that wasn't aligned up with her faith, you know. And she'd just turn to my teacher and say, Get behind me, Satan. You need a charismatic mama. Anybody know what I'm saying? Now, nowadays you'd be arrested for stuff that would happen there. You'd be arrested. Because if she saw something on you, she's going to pull the Bible out and beat you with it. I saw her. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I remember my, uh, uh, my stepdad got sick. Oh, he was only sick once. Well, she got her Bible out and she says, do you see it? Do you see it? Suddenly her voice gets deep. Do you see that snake? 
She comes out with the Bible and she's beating my dad with the Bible. He was sick and sure enough, he got up in a day and was healed in Jesus' name. You need a charismatic mama. How many of you are charismatic mama? Then, then they take the, or daddies too. We got, well, I don't want to be, uh, stereotype it in here. I'm just going by my experience. But you know what would happen is, and then she'd take things literally. Oh yeah, you're going to march, we're going to march around that place seven times. We didn't have shofars back then, but we sure did have pots and pans. We always stood out in the neighborhood. I tell you. I love my mother. Wow, 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 wow. I learned a lot of stuff from my mother. I watched her do, yeah, watched her do stuff. Amazing. Now, my sisters too, they, they picked that gift right up and, and, uh, I wouldn't mess. Those women in my family, I would not mess with them. I watched them throw someone. Uh, they, I think someone came against their family. I watched my sister pick them up and throw a man about 15 feet. It was almost like that, you know, uh, what's the name of that movie, that uh, fighting, the, the um, dragon, crouching tiger? Yeah, they were like that. <laughs> the anointing would come on them, and I would, wa- I, I saw them take a door off the hinges. My, you know, uh, <laughs> this is what I said about, you don't want to do it nowadays. Back then, it was, it was cool, you know. Uh, <laughs> Now you'll be arrested for some of this stuff. But I saw some stuff growing up. The Holy Ghost. I saw the... Now we call him the Holy Spirit. I was afraid of a ghost. That's why I didn't understand it. But, but, but mommy, why are you calling him a ghost? Because you need to fear the Lord. That's what, You know, and I'm like, whoa. I know. And then my granny, her name was Maudie Pig. My granny from Alabama. And talk about fear in the Lord. That's what she'd say. You need to be afeard. That's what she said. You need to be afeard. You're not afeard enough. And so she'd try to put, put that fear in me. That's what they do back then. They try to put the fear of the Lord in you themselves so you grow up well. You know. So she'd, she'd scare me. That, my granny, pig, uh, she'd scare me. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, granny pig just died. And she was 90 years old. 90, I think she died in her sleep. And she just was a, died with a smile on her face. But, but Maudie Pig was my, my, my grandmother from, from Alabama. And I was pretty much, I raised a lot around her. And she, tell you, you have a granny from Alabama and a charismatic uh, mama. Oh, boy. I don't know how I got on drugs so long. I don't know. But because of the call of God from that family. And Maudie Pig's, uh, her brother, uh, she had a twin sister named Claudie. Maudie and Claudie Pig from Mobile. And their their brother's name was Stud. Stud Pig. Now, I used to grow up thinking, I'm, I tell you the truth, I used to think it was so cool, I wanted to be a country singer back then. I've left that behind now. But uh, I wanted to be a country singer, and I wanted to be... Stud pig. Now here he is. Stud pig. Yahweh. Yahweh. Anyway. 
But I asked Stud, it's a true story. I asked him why his name was Stud because uh, his actual name was Charles. Why'd they call him Stud? He said, well, uh, I had a disease when I was a little boy that, that studded my growth. <laughs> hey, listen, I was 32 when I found out it stunted. I didn't even know. But somehow, stunt pig doesn't have the same effect as stud pig. But you know what? If you want to, you could name a band. If you want to name your punk rock band, stunt pig. There's a, there's a good band name. You can, you can take that one. True story. Wow. So we say, yes, Lord. See, you're not even feeling the scalpel go in. Right? You're not feeling the healing going on in the room right now. I, I'm a professional, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Why well, he ain't even quoted a Bible verse yet. He doesn't even have one up there. I've got my iPad right here. Shoo wee. Wow, wow. So those comedy angels came in, I just had to surf the wave for there uh, for a minute, that was alright. Uh, and so, so Father, we thank you for the, the creative arts. And that, by the way, that message was called uh, that God is doing the new thing right now. He's, he's, uh, he's um, tweaking the gifts. He's shifting the gifts over you. And it's time to use them a little bit different. There's freedom in the house. In fact, there's freedom to get out of the house. Remember, did your, did your mom ever say, would you just get out of the house? Around summertime, just... Well, that's what I can hear my mom in heaven right now. Get out of the house. Get out. We've been in the house too long. It's good to have a church. It's good, but don't stay there too long. You turn in, you start, you're supposed to be a grape and you start turning into a California raisin. Or if you're big enough, you're a prune. You dry up if you don't get out there. That's why my, my office is actually in uh, a shared working environment, a co-working environment with with unbelievers, as all, I, in fact, for NLA, I try to get it as unbeliever as I can, for me, just for my challenge. So every day I feel good when I go into the, my office and I'm around people. I, it's in Venice at Venice Beach, and in Venice, you think they're Christian? They're already Christian hostile in California, but Venice. Oh. But you know, I didn't come in and start introducing myself by what I believe. That's mistake number one. Don't. The new thing right now, you want to know how to operate in the new wineskin right now? Don't walk around with what you believe as your bumper sticker when you meet people. That's, they don't care what you believe. But what, you want to, what they want to know is what you believe about them. See, we're back to you and I. And so they, they needed to know that first, my first few weeks there, in fact, months... I spent more time letting them know that they're important. And I build them up. I don't care what faith or walk of life or, or, or orientation they are. And it's confusing sometimes for those of us with discernment. Especially in the Bay Area, if you know what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but what, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves everybody. He wants you to love everybody. 
That's the starting place. Then now I had that really crazy moment where I had where I'm prophesying over people, but they don't understand prophecy. So they say, "So, Doug, what do you do?" Well, that's complicated. It's classified. <laughs> it is classified. I'm pulling in secrets from heaven. How do you tell people that? They don't get it. They don't understand the prophetic. So uh, the best I could describe it to them after I demonstrated it for them, they actually start saying this to other people. Oh, I'd be trying to tell them what I do in a, in a way that would, you know, I, oh, you know, I help people understand their night dreams and it opens up their life dreams. And I'm talking about that. And then someone, ah, nonsense. He's a Christian psychic. Right? That's the best thing for them. Now, that might not work in the Bible Belt or back down in Alabama with, with Granny. That might not work there, but actually it does because anywhere you see a Bible Belt or a lot of religion, you're going to see a lot of fallout of those kids. It's everywhere. And that's my call. And so I want to say this to you. The gifts are shifting again. And there's freedom to step out. And so uh, I've been releasing the daily prophetic for five years or so. Uh, the Lord just spoke to me five years ago. I want you to express your gifts in a different way. He said, go ahead, try anything you want. And I know that uh, at the time I said, well, I could probably combine two things. That's what I love to do as a life coach. I needed to grow my Twitter page. So, hey, well, why don't we just combine growing the Twitter page? That was my goal was to grow my uh, Twitter page. Uh, and I'm just being honest with you here. I wanted to touch people. I didn't think that, that um, releasing these little tiny 140-character prophetic words would do anything. you know. But I found out later it's the mustard seed. It's the smallest seed of the prophetic. In my opinion and the, the opinion of my prophetic friends, they think I'm, that it's nonsense. Some of them think that it's nonsense. It's kiddie pool stuff. You know, it's very, it, it, it's such the smallest level of revelation, but it grew to the biggest tree in my ministry. The biggest. Everywhere I go around the entire world, I'm not kidding you, everywhere I go, they go, man, I love your prophetic word. I'm thinking, oh, yep, I know. The November word, yep. The one I released, the November word, you know, the word for November. I mean, the big one, not the daily, the big one. The big November word. No, the daily. It's the daily prophetic words every... Now, we have a whole daily... We have to, have to expand my ministry, and we have a daily prophetic department. And here's the funny thing, is we make zero dollars and zero cents on the daily prophetic. And we invest so much into getting the word of the Lord out there. But in the process of that, something's happening in the kingdom over people and they're realizing people who get the daily prophetic realize suddenly wow god's speaking yeah how many people has it spoken or confirmed something with you Every, everywhere i go it, there's some not all of them not all of them work will work for everybody but you know what i get them by um usually because i tell because i have the daily the, the prophetic department now that tells me when i'm supposed to get them because <laughs> they got to load up everything now and so, uh, so it's a big production. You know, they got to get it. Uh, and, and I have to write them big enough for Twitter. So that's 140 characters minus the hashtag. So I have to speak a prophetic word in 127 characters or less. Now, let's see you do that and be accurate. People who, you know, speak against me, I said, you try it. 
I mean, that's a challenge. To speak something that, that is picked up by a lot of people and to know that on any given day. See, I was used to giving 5,000 prophetic words a year on my outreach. I was a forerunner in, in prophetic evangelism back in the day. How many people? I know we started here with Blazing Fire. The very, it was the, one of the first, the, it, was the, it was the first full prophetic evangelism workshop I did was with this small, uh, kind of wounded group of 35 people in a, in a place, in the Good News Chapel. And you guys were a, a church plant of 35 people that decided to pull away and just worship the Lord and go in intimacy, remember? And so I said to, to Brent and Suzanne, well, I was working for John Paul Jackson at the time, and I was the National Dream Team Coordinator, and I had developed the Prophetic Evangelism Workshop, which would take people out. And I had gotten a download from an angel. I kid you not, an angel spoke to me audibly and said, Doug Addison, get up and write. And I got the download in 2002. And I came here. I did one of them the wrong way. It was the worst one I ever did in my life, the first one. And it was, uh, it was in Cambridge uh, at, at Harvard. Uh, it's just not, not an open place. The intellectual spirit killed us. I mean, it was really bad. It was hard. So I went from there, really my, just felt beat up, and said, uh-uh. We came here, did a prophetic evangelism workshop, and it was raining, and we were supposed to take people out to Hacienda. It stopped raining long enough with a double rainbow over Hacienda while we did the outreach. And then it was launched. You guys came out. You guys discovered something that got you out there, and you started getting testimonies of people coming out to... Is that Hacienda? Hacienda? They were... 2003. And it was it, and it was just an amazing time. That's why we paralleled along the way. I was the, uh, one of the forerunners in that, and uh, one of the fathers of it. I'm not saying I did it, but I was part of that movement. I was giving 5,000 prophetic words a year. I mean, I was a machine. I could do a hundred an hour. I kid you not. I know because I would have to do, I would activate it over everyone before we went out. And I'd do rapid fire prophecy because you don't have time to blow a shofar uh, once you get out there. You don't have time to worship to get the Lord on you. You need to be in the Lord. The Lord is 24-7. He's like a jazz station. Oh, Jesus all the time. When I go into churches and they say, the, the awkward moment, we're waiting on the Lord. I go, why, why is he late? <laughs> what I realize is that we're waiting for you to catch up to what the Lord's doing. And now sometimes it does take a little time for him to get in. But I get people, because I'm always messing, I'm horsing around all the time. Uh, and I'm doing stuff during worship and blah, 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 blah. I'm, I look like I'm checking my email. Maybe I am. I don't know. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> People turn to me and say, why aren't you entering in? And I said, I'm in. I came in, in. I went to the bathroom, in. I haven't gone out. There is a way to get an open heaven over you. That's where we're going tonight. We're going to open up a heaven over you. And I walk under an open heaven now, not because of my holiness. <laughs> anyway... 
Careful. Easy where you point at, guys. I found out that holiness, that's what the, the church is now teaching holiness. Holiness, holiness, holiness. They're worried about your sin, your sin. And the Lord said to me, he says, I'm way bigger than your sin. And the church is now seeing it the other way around. But the day that I stepped, I was into the holiness, but the day that I realized, oh, the first is last, opposite, right? Give to receive. Everything's opposite in the kingdom. So if, if people were saying, you've got to be holy to become intimate, I bet it's the other way around. So I became intimate and let the holiness take care of itself. That's the key. He's not worried. Yeah, he's not worried about your stuff. I know. He told me. Even I got promoted into the office of a prophet. Yes, I did. In 2010. And I, I don't tell too many people about what happened, but the angel came in my room and read a declaration over me in a, in a kind of a... It was almost a scene out of Monty Python, actually. <laughs> It was this town crier comes in and hits me with a stick. I wake up and he, and he goes, <coughs> and he's like this English looking thing. And he goes, <coughs> and he's reading a decree from heaven over me, but with a boring voice. And he, he was like, like worn out and tired. And he goes, rejoice this night for your greatly loved. In heaven. The Father has sent me from the throne to announce that you've been. You know why? Angels are not omnipresent. They can't be in two places. Like the Lord. That's why they were worn out around Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. They're out giving out. By the time he got to me, he was like way worn out. And I found out I got promoted, and it was 2010 during a town. I was at downtime during that time. And I go, you got to be kidding me. How'd that happen? And he goes, exactly what I said. <laughs> hey, how did that happen? And he said to me, he said, judgment in the in the kingdom is complicated because God looks at you and he looks at why you're doing something. He looks at your sin and why you have that issue because he looks at the person who might have influenced you and why they did it. And he looks back generations and he looks at where you are right now and everything that you're up against. And he looks at where you're going and he says, promote that one. And he says... He says, have grace. Mercy triumphs over judgment. No, I heard this firsthand. Firsthand. And because he said to me, uh, the angel said, he said, you actually passed with 75%. I thought, well, that's a C. <laughs> I got promoted in the office of a prophet with a C. And he said, tell my people, this is what the Lord said, tell my people, you don't have to pass with an A. And quit trying to be perfect. Because I'm perfect, is what he says. You don't have to be perfect. He loves you. Now, I'm a grandfather. I have two grandkids. My, my daughter already melts my heart. 
Never used to. I used to. Anyway, but you know what I was, I had to learn this stuff. It didn't come natural when she started. Suddenly she was 15 dating 19-year-olds. That's when I was about to buy a gun, I'm telling you. It was a challenge in my life. But, but later on I realized the heart of the father, I had to go back and repent to my daughter. And I had to go back and say things that I wish I would have said then. And there was moments now. And I've learned in this, because you know where I learned this from? The father. This is the father for you. Or she could tell me, and in fact, we had a conversation. She goes, hey, Dad, let me just tell you all the stuff I've never told you. Whoa. I was like ready to order a drink or something after that one. We're sitting there, and she's telling me all the stuff, you know, and the stuff she did. And then she said to me, but you know what? Because you love me, I appreciate that. You've never, that's why I say to her, I never require her. To have my faith. I never judge her. I help her along at times. Tough love is not in the kingdom. I, I'm telling you. It's not in the Bible. Tough love is not the heart of the Father. Here we go. We're adjusting something again. I'm the chiropractor tonight. I'm the holy chiropractor. I'm cracking some stuff up on here. And giving you some adjustments. Because of, I watched my daughter, wow, I watched her flourish when I said those things. Uh, that no one, I mean, there was times when I didn't want to say those. I, I was thinking the opposite with her. And I tried to work with her, you know. But at the same time, I had to just turn to her and tell her things about herself. That how much I love her. And how much, you know what? Because she had a bad time growing up. She had a real rough time. And now she's 31. She has two, two kids and uh, two grandkids. And the, the, once you become a grandparent, you suddenly realize uh, you have more grace even than that. So I had an encounter with my daughter two years ago. And she said, hey, Dad, I'm now getting those things you put on Facebook. She didn't know what to call them, daily prophetic. She said, I'm getting these things. And she had never. I knew she had the gift. She has my eyes. I, I knew she had the gift. And the Lord was really on her because the enemy had been against her so heavy, like me. And I was on drugs and all those things. I knew she had the gift. And so we walked through a time at the bar at Chili's two years ago. And I got to turn to her and say the things I've always wanted to say. And I said something. Because I, I left. You know what? I married my... this. Don't try this. I married my meth dealer. I married my drug dealer. Bad business deal. Don't try this. <laughs> and I left before Amanda was born. And I moved to California to kill myself. Which, by the way, I failed at, by, in case you didn't notice. I, I'm not all that successful in everything. If you're going to fail at anything, it can be suicide. That's all right. It's okay. But I came out here to end my life at age 25. And I had a radical encounter with Jesus at the Berkeley Institute for Psychics. Long story. <laughs> that doesn't preach. That doesn't. That's why I'm a comedian. I get away. Oh, well, it's just comedy. It's not theological. <laughs> it's just comedy. He's all right. He's an evangelist. 
And so I had this radical encounter, and I had to go back into my daughter's life. I had been out of her life for the first seven years. And I had to go back into her life and humble myself and go there. Uh, and she was in Ohio, and I'd fly back and do things over the years, over the years. So she was mad at dad. That's a T-shirt, mad at dad. And if you're mad at dad, you're mad at the heavenly dad. That's where tough love comes in. Those who require uh, this thing, those who are saying these things, like, uh, you know, you'll, you'll know if you have it. You'll, you'll, you'll say things about or to people, you know, that, uh, well, you know, I, I'm not going to put up with that. In my house, this is the rules. And okay, you can do that. You can have rules in your house. But you've got to realize it's a person on the other side of it. So you work out things with them. And, or you say, I'm not going to back down these gay and lesbians. I am not. In fact, I, I counsel all the time. I counsel people who they said, my daughter is, is a lesbian and, and um, I refuse to allow that abomination to come into my household. And I say, listen, don't lose your daughter. If there's any gift on earth that you have control of right now, it's her. Wow. Don't lose your son. Don't lose your daughter. Because of your faith. That will be the biggest gift. Because Jesus said those who lay their life down will be able to pick it up. And that's what I had to do. I had to lay my belief system down. And in the midst of that, wow, what a harvest that's coming in now. The harvest of love. Because people come now. And they tell me, I'm like, what am I? Like the, I'm the councilman now for, uh, you know, for the LB, uh, uh, LBGT. Uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, le- uh, lettuce, guacamole, bacon, and tomato. Uh, that's what I say. I'm like this, this holy council for the LBGT parents, uh, pastors, and they say, well, I'm not going to allow my daughter to come in with her partner in my house and bring that sin into my house. I go, I go listen, treat it like it was anything else. Tell them they can come in, but they'll sleep in separate beds. I mean, really, just say it, and they'll love you for it. But if you push them out, or they say, I'm not going to their wedding. I'm not going to go to the wedding of my boss who's gay. I'm not going there because I don't want them to think I accept that. Believe me, they already know you don't. (laughs) Believe me, they already know. But what they want and they're testing you on is your love. Because we are the keys. We're the keeper of the keys to L-O-V-E. And that, by the way, the new age and all that, they can't get the, they can't get love. They don't, they can't get the love of God. It's a sacred thing, the love of God. That's why Jesus said when they pinned him down, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We're good at that, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my neighbor at church, right next to me in the pew. Uh Uh-uh. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you have to love yourself. 
You have to love other people and love God. And this is the keys to the kingdom. Love, love, seriously love. Wow. Now, here it's easy for me because here's what I say. When I meet people, they ask me that stuff because I still, hey, I'll just, I will kid you not. I've done a thorough study and because I'm now going in and get into LBGA, uh, I'm into like gay and lesbian. I don't know why I'm getting hung up on it tonight. LBGT community churches and getting them filled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing a move of God. Now, I haven't changed my theology. I still read the Bible and I still see six verses, three in the old, three in the new. I can't justify those verses. I haven't. I haven't justified those verses. But to have a harvest in the season because the gifts have shifted. Right? To have a harvest in this season now required me and you to lay that down and say this. This is what I say. They says, well, what do you believe? I go, well, you know, what do you believe? Do you believe it's a sin? I go, well, you know, really... What matters is you. I'm not your judge, is what I say. I am not your judge. Because I learned that going into the new age. I train people to go into Burning Man and all the new age places. And you know what we'd say? We're not your judge. We're Christians who love. We're started a new movement called Christians Who Love. Really, we did 10 years ago. Christians Who Love. Because if we don't tell people, I don't say that I'm a Christian, my goodness, because that's a right-wing weird thing in their head, you know. We're going to throw grenades in a minute. But you don't want that. You want the love. They have never seen it. When I give a prophetic word to someone on the street or at my office, to a Buddhist, I'm working with four, four Buddhists in my office have read my dream book, and all of them like it. Because I tell them, I go, listen, hey, listen. You know, it's about Jesus because that's who I am. If you wrote a book, it'd be about Buddha. So that get turn it around to make sure they don't judge me with their thing. I go, you don't mean to judge you, right? You know, and so don't judge me. And so they read my book and stuff, uh, and I'm getting them to to come in on this thing, and they like it, and they're having dreams and they're getting words. And there's stuff going on because I started with the L-O-V-E. Yeah. Wow. So thank you, God. The heavens are already opening here. Wow. Ooh, ooh. I did a thorough study on, on why, because the Lord began to speak to me, on why we're in the condition that we're in today. We're in a condition today of a closed heaven. Let's just do a report card just for a minute. We're going to really going to impart this up because the, the heavens are opening right now. Because you start talking about love and angels, and boy, the place changes. Someone turned the heater on in this tent. Yeah. But you start, you know what, this, this thing about love and the, the, the heavens being closed. Do a report card. I did. I just go around because I'm an outreach specialist. So I go in with eyes to see. I can see. I see things. And everywhere I go and they find out that you're a Christian, we're not, we're not wanted anymore. We have the keys of life. That has not changed. That has not changed. What's changed is us. The world hasn't changed. If they have changed, it's because we've taken our light away 
And we begin to judge and not love. And when you judge, you come into agreement. Guess what? One of the, one of the titles for Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Now, what is the church doing? Accusing each other. The accuser of the brethren. You become, you start accusing someone else. You come into agreement with darkness over them. It's supposed to be on earth as it is in heaven. Not as hell as it is on earth. So when I see someone who's all messed up, I don't, you know, and I, I don't want to come into agreement with darkness. I'm not going to speak over what I see even though I see it. Because I can't lie, right? I can't lie, people say. I can't lie. Well, you don't have to lie. All you have to realize is what you're seeing is the plan of Satan. Tell them the plan of God. That's the truth. In the sense, you're seeing the lie over them. So when you say, I can't lie, you're not realizing you're, you're seeing the lie. You need to, to flip that. And flip it good, right? Flip it. Flip it good. People think I'm just some positive prophet guy running around giving some good words and stuff. I'm hearing the Lord for the next seven years where we're going. And where they thought that we were going to uh, uh, you know, go one way and they thought the, uh, the second coming was here. No. I, in fact, I got a call from heaven. Please hold. Yeah, we're on hold because judgments, he can't move in this condition. Judgments close the heavens. Look them up. I have a whole bunch of verses that Jesus said about if you judge, you will be judged. Yes, if you judge, you will. By the same measure, you'll be judged. So we're doing, hey, listen, if you have it in your heart, Jesus said, if you even have a speck in your eye, and, and, or, or I mean, a, if you try to take a speck out of your brother or sister's eye and you have a log in yours, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be judged. And that's where we are today. We have a closed heaven because of judgments. Closed heaven with revelation. People... People are looking, listen, I'm just going to say it like it is. People are looking at some of these, uh, uh, some of these, uh, I'm just going to say it, some of these candidates and not realize, no eyes to see that they're moving in pride. And the Lord would never pour himself into pride. And he can't, people don't have the eyes to see that we're judging people. But what happened is, is with the sexual sin, 80% of leaders in the Christian church, they've been admitted having pornography problems. Dare a church with that level of struggle judge anyone with sexuality? I'm not speaking against leaders. I'm one of them. I've had to deal with this thing in my life. God gave me a strategy to over, for the church to overcome pornography. Guess what? We don't have enough intercession to release it. <laughs> really. It's intense. Every time I talk about it, it's intense. I got the strategy from the Lord what it would take to release people from that terrible thing of pornography. And guess what? Men and women. It's, there's a spirit of anger on both sides. That's what the Lord says. Where two agree together, it will be done. Anger agreed with anger. And it locked down deliverance. 
So what happened was, just in a nutshell, and this isn't, I'm just going to generalize with men and women here, but it's both ways. But just just say that men got angry at women. And they were, like, uh, some of that was going out in pornography, right? There's un, there's a hidden, unhidden anger. But, check this out. Then the women get angry at men for being in pornography. And so anger's still not from the Lord. It's still from hell. It's still a demon. So women getting angry at men and men being angry at women, it's a double thing and they can't get free. Because then what happens, and this happened in my life, I got tangled up in that stuff. You know, it's easy to do. I got, because the, the internet is like an open bar. You know, it's just too easy. And the enemy will come in and try to get you tangled up in that. And then I wanted to come and repent and, 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 and find someone safe. But I want to tell you, sometimes it's not in your own home. Because women are divorcing men. And now where's that freedom? You can't come. There's no, uh, there's no ali, ali, oxen free here. There's no home base. There's no freedom. To repent and say, I, it's not about you, honey. It is not about you. I didn't tell my wife, this isn't about you. It's about all kinds of my own stuff. I'm being very transparent here. This is about, it's not about you, women. It isn't. It's about the enemy trying to shut you down and keep you from getting married because many men now are, not, are, are content without getting married now. This is another plan. Because of it, because of that. Or, or many uh, uh, leaders, men and women, get, get bound up in this thing. And they, uh, and they don't have a safe place to share it. Because you lose everything. My goodness, especially if you're in ministry. You'll be, even though it's not an unpardonable sin, guys. It's not. we got to say, Ali, Ali, oxen free. There's got to be freedom in the house. There's got to be freedom. I'm telling you, that's the bottom line of... Pornography. The Lord gave me the strategy this year in 2015. He said the strategy is, is we need to uh, defuse the spirit of anger on both sides. And women who've been waiting for your man, he may be addicted to pornography right now. And you need, if it offends you, you need to be repenting and interceding instead of saying, I'm going to leave. Now, I'm generalizing and I'm not saying that your situation isn't abusive or whatever. I'm just saying. All right, you with me here? L-O-V-E. God's going to do something. And God's going to do something with love because the keys of the kingdom here. I'm trying to, I know I'm hitting a bunch of stuff here. And uh, the key, now that the, the heavens are open, I can say these things. Because they, weren't, they were closed before. And you can walk under an open heaven. By not judging people. You can still have an opinion. But you got to be careful with that opinion. Because what you sow, therefore you shall reap. If you sow judgment. Everyone's complaining everywhere you go. They're complaining. And they wonder why they have bad customer service. They wonder why they can't hear the Lord. They're complaining. They're wondering why they're in debt. Did you know the very verse? Is it Luke uh, 9? I forgot the verse. Luke 6? Uh, press down, shaken together. Is it like, thank you, it's on your refrigerator. Uh, Luke 6, 30, 38. I was, they said, Brother Doug, would you come up and do the offering about three years ago? And I'm going to use Luke 6, 38. Yes, yes, come on. The Lord, how many need it? 
pressed down, shaken together, running over in your lap. The Lord will give you, right? And then I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit right when I was coming up to, to, to do this. And he says, yeah, it's true, but read the context. It's about judgment. It's true, it works with money, but that verse that Jesus, those verses there, read Luke 6, you're going to find out. He says, do not judge or you will be judged. Yes, in that very context. That whole thing is about judgment. So therefore, if you're giving and you're not receiving, you may have judgment in your filter. And because Luke 6.38 is true. But it's you got to first get rid of the judgment. So I'm just saying, all right? That was all free. Uh, all this is all free. Free stuff. I'm going to release this word right now. We are walking through a doorway right now. This is what the Lord told me. We are walking through a doorway right now, moving into 2016. And the title of the door is Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You know what my staff says to me? You know what we say to each other every day? We test ourselves. Is what we're doing forgetting the former things? Do not dwell on the past. Hey, remember when? Do not dwell on the past. And so what he's doing right now is moving you into a new time. And as you walk through this door, I saw this between now and March 9th. We're walking through a door and then the hallway is titled John 15. That he's pruning right now. But most people think it's sin that he's pruning. He's pruning belief systems and theologies and uncaring behavior. We're, go ahead, read it. Read, read John or, or Google. If you ever want to find out, if you have a question that you would want to ask me, just put the question down with my name after it. I've probably written a blog on it. I've been blogging since 2006. I've been flapping my jaws over it. I get so much prophetic that people don't get it. I have too much. And that's why the Lord gave me a strategy on how to get it out there right now is that we need now. This is the time that we need to get into being friends. John 15 is becoming friends. Now we're talking about keys here. We're talking about the keys of the kingdom. And with John 15, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. And you are the branches, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off the branches that bears no fruit, right? So that's what he's doing right now. Things that aren't working between now and the next few months, he's taking these things away. But here's the deal. Go down to verse uh, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is the result of what's going to happen in the next couple months if you remain in what? But what is him? Love. Look at this. He says it over and over. You remain in me. He says you will bear much fruit. He says, and he goes on to say uh, uh, that uh, remain in me in, in verse 4. And so also I remain in you. No, bear can, no branch can bear fruit, right, um, apart from me. And he goes on to tell you what, what that means. He goes on to say that it is love. That we have to get into love. That's what's going to open the heavens over you. Love, not judge. Okay, now, uh, here's the deal. 
I got to release this because there's keys falling from heaven now. Because we are having, we're having people spin out because of judgment. They've lost their authorities. They might still be in ministry and have churches, but they don't have what they used to have. That's happening right now. Maybe they die. I have seen, in, I've, been, I've been having heavenly encounters since Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. I have to get up. I can't even. I have to go to bed at 8. I feel weird. I go to bed at 8 o'clock. So I get up at 4 because it's so active and I can't journal enough. And especially since Christmas. I've been having encounters every day. But they're not like you think. They're in a, such a weirdest. I used to have encounters where I'd wake up and see it right there in my room. There's a golden man standing at the foot of my bed. That's what most people think every encounter is. It's not all. They're all different. It could be different. In fact, mine are different now. I used to have those. I'd say, I woke up uh, just recently, uh, yeah, uh, a couple years ago, and there was literally index cards suspended from the, in the air, you know, uh, or the, the English crier came. Those are the encounters you think. Right now, it's all different because Isaiah 43, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Now, oh, I don't even know anything. I go, I get up at 4 a.m., I go in, get my computer, get my tea, uh, you know, and I sit down and in the place of writing, I'm seeing these things. It's almost like I'm the courtroom reporter and I'm sitting over there. I'm the stenographer with my MacBook Air in my bedroom or in my office at home and I'm typing what I see. And it's so naturally supernatural. I can get up and go to the bathroom and it doesn't go away. I come back and I'm there again. Typing in detail what I'm seeing. It's different now. And I want to tell you, I've never been at this place before. I've never been at the place where I'm seeing what I'm seeing right now. And it's for the purpose of Ephesians 1.17. I pray that God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. That's what it's about. It's nothing else. And it's just a place right now. I wish I could go into all the... I got off on the other thing on purpose. I had to do something with three groups here today, tonight. And... Um, I was about to talk about my Christmas Day encounter. But I'm going to have it on my webcast. Uh, first Wednesday, next week, I'm going to have it on my webcast where I'm going to talk about my Christmas Day encounter that rocked my world. And that God's doing something now. It's not, I'm not special. It's with you two. You're being invited in. And there's keys being given because leaders who had these keys, this is not a judgmental word. Is it time? Is it nine o'clock? We need to, uh, it's nine o'clock. So do we have to do something special? Like call the kids in or something? Oh, ask parents to go get your kids, but we'll still, uh, we'll still be going. Uh, but just to remember, it's nine o'clock right now. Uh, so here's the deal. I was seeing in these encounters that um, the different places Different churches that started with something and they lost it along the way. 
And I saw, either in a dream or an encounter, I saw their key being removed because they weren't using it anymore. They didn't even know. They're so far away from their first vision, they had no idea the key was gone. Because most of these places that started seven years ago or more and, and got away from things because of all the warfare. And other areas, that was way before seven years ago in some of these cases. Areas, let's just say, let's just say this. Let's just say that in the big picture of things, the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm not naming names here, okay? I'm saying, let's just say that the San Francisco Bay Area had a person who was imparted something that was a key to revival here. Let's just say that it's, there's one in L.A., there's one in, in Las Vegas. They're all over the place. Are you with me? They actually hold the key to revival. But if they get judgmental or they get wounded, then it locks down that revival. And guess what? Then, this is what the Lord showed me when I got here on uh, two days ago. And I'm from here. I lived here for 20 years. I know, I, I'm in the bit around the Bay Area, started our ministry here. And I just saw for the first time that there was a, a leader, or, or maybe more than one, who had a key from a long time ago for the San Francisco Bay Area, but got bitter and began to judge. Then the whole world started judging San Francisco because... The one with the key had that spirit. And this is what's going on all over the U.S. right now. And that's why the church has become judgmental. Because the keepers of the keys. If you get one, and I'll be straight up with you right now. And because we're not streaming live and we're family, right? I'll just be straight up with you. And I'm a vineyard guy. You know, I was... Uh, part of the vineyard, I honor John Wimber. But let me just tell you something tonight. Is that, uh, no, Michael Bedore is a great guy. I have nothing but great things. I'm not saying anything bad about John Wimber. I'm just going to say what happened. Because he even, I heard this firsthand that he repented on his deathbed for what he did to the Kansas City prophets. And I don't know if you know this, but the vineyard movement was going and he went in to step into a false situation where they were lied against. Mike Bickle, John Paul Jackson, Bob Jones, James Gall, uh, the the Kansas City prophets, they were bringing up in the 80s, in like 89, right around 89, there was a lie against the Kansas City prophets. And you know what? They even proved it was a lie, but it never got out to the public. What Ernie Gruen did to them, he, he lied, but he was having an affair himself and trying to cover it up. And Paul Cain took him outside and said, you know, you have these charges against us. We know that you're having an affair and that you're afraid. And so he dropped all charges and it was true and he went away. But what happened was that never got out to the public. And John Wimber required the Kansas City prophets to go apologize for something they never did because of tough love. And that wounded them. That's why the the prophetic movement has been wounded. The fathers were wounded. Our fathers were. And they were the keepers of the keys. 
right? John Wimber repented on his deathbed for this. And then he, uh, he also, right, uh, he judged um, Toronto. In fact, Paul Kane came to the vineyard and said, God's going to move again in the vineyard when John and Carol are not. John and Carol Wimber was in the vineyard, and God did move again in the vineyard when John and Carol are not. They didn't understand that word. And he judged it, and he was dead within two years. Judgments. He repented on his deathbed, but he imparted those keys to another leader. And so what had been happening, listen, the keys to the prophetic and the keys to the last move of God have been held down because of that judgment. And now it's 22 years later and God's releasing them. I'm not speaking bad. Honor your mother and your father. I am not speaking bad. I have nothing but good to say about John Wimber. I would not want to have on my shoulders what that man had on his And I would not want to have the life that he had and what his family went through to birth the vineyard. And how he was actually, the reason he was that in that condition, because he got abandoned by people within his movement. Are you with me here? Honor your mother and father. I'm not speaking bad. I'm telling you right now that all of a sudden, earlier this year, and a bunch of vineyard people that I know or a bunch of prophetic people that was part of the Kansas City prophet movement, like me, I'm a son of the Kansas City prophet movement, grandson, whatever. I'm, I'm there. I'm actually the next level down from Bob Jones and, uh, and John Paul Jackson. I, I've traveled. I mean, I literally was in part of that movement. But it got shut down. Bob Jones even died before his, his, the reason that he came on earth the very reason to see the billion soul harvest because it got judged by the church. And it killed the man carrying the message. John Paul Jackson was taken out early. And he was carrying the keys that was imparted to him. He was the one that went to the deathbed of John Wimber. And so now, guess what? Let me give you some good news now. You ready for the good news? This is good news. This is good. I saw angels carrying those keys. I saw an angel with the key over San Francisco. I saw an angel with the key, the keys, there's more than one, keys over the prophetic and keys over the original vineyard movement and keys over Lonnie Frisbee and the start, because he was judged, the start of the Jesus people movement and the keys that opened up Toronto blessing and the fact we haven't had one for 22 years. Instead, we're now in judgment on ourselves, a judgmental spirit. Are you with me? Anybody? I'm out on the limb here. I've never done this, ever. I've never done this. I know stuff inside that you don't want to know, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't benefit you to know. But what I'm telling you right now is good news because all of a sudden, a bunch of us started noticing that we're prophesying different. A few months ago, anybody noticed that? That a new prophetic came, a new level, something new is coming because those keys got opened up. And they're being released back out. And that's why we're here. That's why I'm here. God told me 
that there was something that was going to be released over the Bay Area. And I came here in, 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 um, in 2011, and many of you were in the meetings when I came and, and announced the move of God coming to San Francisco and even had confirmations that, that when something was going to happen on Monday Night Football, it, it, you know, that, that happened with Candlestick Park, that there would be something happen in Candlestick Park that the world would see, and two weeks later that the lights go out in Candlestick Park and the entire world sees that. And it was a confirmation of that. And there was so much that had happened. I had an encounter when I was here about an angel here in this area catching tears, your tears, in a bottle. And God says, I have captured your tears, San Francisco Bay Area. I have captured your tears, blazing fire. I have captured your tears. I've seen these things that you've been weeping over. And I had encounter after encounter after encounter in 2011, right, November, October, November, December, and then, bam, it all went away in his opposite. And here I was, just that prophet again, who announced something that never happened. And I didn't, couldn't figure it out. But guess what? It's, how, it's five years ago, right? It's four years ago. It's four years ago that happened. The Lord said we weren't ready. I wasn't ready, 2011, 2012. Blazing fire wasn't ready yet. You're, you weren't, we weren't ready. The Lord says he's doing it now. He is, he's doing it now. And he still has those bottles with your tears. In fact, I saw mine come out because I wept so much. I can't even weep anymore. And I'm still weeping over people, over myself, over everything. I'm crying over everything. It's been a mess. We've missed stuff. And, and here's what he said. I saw the bottles coming out. Right before I came to the meeting tonight, the Lord showed me the bottles of tears that he had captured. In fact, where were we? Gina Prince, she, she was in a meeting. That was in a, we were in a meeting in someone's house when a mist came in the room. And that was at that, that meeting. And we were... And, and, even we were talking about my wife. We drove home, and we even posted it on the internet that when we drove through King City, there was a full, brilliant double rainbow in King's City. And the Lord says, I will do this. But it's four years later now. And now the convergence is happening. The 22 Toronto blessing started January 94. 22 years ago. Not only that, the, the, the downturn that happened in 2001, we got hit with terrorism. Seven years later, 2008 in September, both of them September, 2008 September was the housing downturn, the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history. We got hit with terrorism again. Seven years later, September was the, the blood moon prophecies that were misunderstood. They were misinterpreted. The Lord is coming again, but not a second coming. He's coming again in a revival. Because He's not going to come back for a group that's not ready. He's not. He's that was a misinterpretation. I mean, the prophecy was good. I loved it. You kidding? I was right on it. I knew, but I knew it wasn't the second coming of the Lord because I knew we'd be dead. 
And why would we want him to come back for, for just us? Wouldn't you want him to come back for the rest of us? Because that's what he wants. He says, no, you don't get it. I saw the temple being torn on the Holy of Holies, the, the curtain of the temple being torn in the San Francisco Bay Area and the Holy of Holies being opened up to everybody like when Jesus was crucified. I saw a rumbling happening and just like the graves were opened up and the prophets from old start walking around the city, old stuff's going to come out, old anointings are going to come and God says, I am now doing something to draw in the biggest revival in church history. He's not going to come back for anything else. This is it, honestly. Oh, God, God, oh, God. Well, it has something to do with you guys. How many people feel this tonight, what I've been saying? And I had to warm you up to love first before we did this. Because if you, if you try to go into this without love, can I say it? It'll kill you, either spiritually or physically. And here's what I saw on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, I sat down at my computer, and bam, suddenly, I'm, at the, I'm the stenographer. I'm just, I'm not in the courts of heaven. You know, like I've had a Zechariah 3 encounter where I'm actually in the courts of heaven, and they actually ask me what I think and stuff. Oh, how cool. Or the throne room, all that stuff. It's nothing like that. No, I'm just sitting over there, you know, like, you know, the, the stenographer never says anything. And so I've been this little courtroom reporter now. That's all. Real lowly position. But I tell you, I'm reporting what I see. And this is how, I just want to tell you, the daily prophetics flow out of those things. That daily prophetics is the, just the, the dust from these things. These, these encounters have been... And Christmas morning, can I tell you? Christmas morning, I got up and... and um, wow. I saw an angel, just like Ezekiel 40 through 44, came to measure. And this angel was a measure and a measure and a measure. And, I mean, it wouldn't stop. <laughs> Doing stuff. And well, it was kind of funny and weird. And this angel's measuring all kinds. It's measuring things in heaven. <laughs> kind of <laughs> just going along, measuring all kinds of stuff. And it had seen supernatural things. It was like holograms. He'd pull this, this item out and it would measure something. And I'm watching him. Then I, and he measures everything. And uh, I'm watching. I hear the Lord say this. He says he's measuring for the new revival. I remember Bob Jones saying all the time that the billion soul harvest that he came onto earth to prophesy that it would happen, a billion would come into the kingdom. Bob would always say that he'd always call that what they needed was the house. Bob would always speak his Bobology, Bobonics, his seer stuff that no one got. And he would be saying, well, you know, they, you know, what, he would say that we need to build the house for the youth, for the billion. He says, because they're broke. They have, every time he talked about the revival, he said, that's why there's kingdom projects. That's why the, the Joseph anointings coming, not to build your church, is to build the house for the weirdos. 
And this revival never made it because the church rejected it over and over because it included tattooed pierced. It included the new age. It included some wacko people. And the gay and lesbians were in there. They were all suddenly getting filled with the Holy Spirit everywhere. They were coming to the Lord in droves. That's what Bob saw back in the 70s when the Lord told him and he died and went to heaven and Jesus sent him back for, he said, would you go back for one? He says, I'll go back for one. He goes, no, I want you to go back for a billion. And he said, when the, when the, when this is what Jesus said to him back in the 70s, he says, when he had died and gone to heaven, he says, when the population of the earth reaches six billion, I'm going to do a move that's going to bring one sixth in and they're going to be born since abortion was legalized. Listen, they were killing the babies when Moses, the deliverer, rose up. They killed the babies when Jesus, the deliverer, rose up. And they're killing the babies now because there's a delivering generation that's about to rise up. This is what's going on right now. And this is why that I keep telling parents everywhere, don't worry about your kids. They're a new wine. You don't want them to come into the old wineskin. It's going to be a mess. The Lord's keeping them out for their sake and yours. That's why I look at my daughter. I look at any of these people. I go, they have the call of God on their life. They're, they're called, they know they do. They're called to something that doesn't exist yet. And they're smoking dope and they're doing stuff and they're doing all that stuff. And the Lord says, I'm bigger than all that. But I've got them on hold. And there's going to be a movement. But what happened? Listen, I was friends with Bob Jones during this time. Bob died before it. The Lord told him that he would see that before he died. And he died before it came. In 2000, he died Valentine's Day. The prophet of love dies on Valentine's Day, 2014. And the clocks went backwards in the hospital. There was some weird stuff that happened when Bob left. You know, and, and, and all kinds of weird stuff happened. I had encounters and things that happened. I got healed of Lyme disease at his graveside service. Yeah, I did. I got. I don't have Lyme now. I just have all the leftover other things. But I actually got my life restored on uh, the, the at his graveside service. And um, and I'm going to tell you something. It was for a purpose because God's doing something new. I remember a conversation in 2000, April of 2017. Bob called me, and I'd never had Bob call me. Call me at my office. We had my office in North Carolina. We were living there. He calls me. I was being rejected by everyone. Everyone, We had a Jezebel split. We had Moravian Falls was all against me. Uh, I was being banned by the uh, to speak in the churches I helped start. I was put on the false prophet list. Everything hit on my birthday in 2008. The worst birthday I've ever had, ever, since then. I used to get blessings. I came to the Lord on my birthday. I was born on my birthday. <laughs> And the angels rejoiced on my birthday. But tell you what, eight years ago it all went the other way. And every year it was bad, bad, bad for seven years. Bob called me and he said, well, boy, some things are about to happen. You ain't going to like them. Because I was saying, oh, Bob, is it going to change? No. (laughs) But he told me this. He said, I had an encounter. Listen. Listen. This is in 2007. 
He said, I had an encounter that an angel came from heaven. This one never got out anywhere. It's never got anywhere. An angel came into his, he had a visitation. And he was handed an invoice and a bill of lading, which is a paid bill. You know, it's, a, it's like a list of products. A bill of lading from heaven to pay for the house. To pay for the revival. So he took it to the foreman of the lumber yard. This is an encounter with Bob. He took it to the foreman of the lumber yard and it was paid in heaven. And he laid it down and he demand, and he asked kindly for the material. This would be money, land, people, everything. And the foreman of the lumber yard refused. And Bob demanded it at that point. He said, this is from heaven. And the foreman of the lumber yard refused. Bob saw a hammer. He slammed it down on the table. And they walked away. All of them. All of the lumber yard walked away from a move of God. The move of all moves in 2007. This never got anywhere. So I said to Bob, you know, I'm trying to understand. I so, so was that foreman? Was he a demon? Bob goes, no, silly. If he's a demon, I'd have hit him with a hammer. <laughs> he said he was the leader of the church. And he said they want their prodigals, but they don't want this group. And it's, and it's just like the banquet. This is what the Lord spoke to me. It's like the parable of the great banquet. And the king invited people, but the people were too busy. And so then he went out and said, I'm going to invite the people from the highways and the byways. Right? You know that verse? Bring in the homeless. Bring in the weirdos. Right? And guess what? That was the part. That's the second. This is the revival coming is the parable of the great banquet. But we've had all these parables that we've ourselves had to fall into the jealousy jealousy of the older brother against the prodigal son. And Bob even came up under all this uh, scrutiny because every, he's talking about the youth and the, the ones over 50 said, what about us? Because you got to realize we're the we generation. You know, we're the me generation. It's meology. Right? We are. Because we're the David generation. And here's the deal. Think about it. There was three kings. Larry Randolph said this in a meeting with Bob and me. And we were all doing it. We call it Larry Randolph. Bob Jones. Doug Addison was the uh, blue uh, blue collar prophetic tour. (laughs) So Larry says this. He said that there was three kings. One of them was Saul who started out right. He was like the old Pentecostal movement that started out right, but later on wanted to kill the new. And now if you're not them, the old, then you're not in it. And Saul started chasing David. Then there's the David generation. That's probably most of us in the room. We're the David generation, right? Aren't we? The lovers. Come on. The, the warriors, the lovers, the worshipers. We're the David generation. And we're being chased by Saul most of the time. Right? There's always a Saul in your life. There's, there's something after you if you've got the anointing. Because this is exactly what it is. But then, guess what? David even came to a place where the Lord would not allow him to 
build the house. Because there was blood on his hands, he shed blood. And our generation, the Lord said this, listen. He said, I'm calling you to build the house, but you wounded each other. There's blood on your hands. Just like David, therefore Solomon is going to rise up for no other reason, no reason of his own. What did the Lord say to Solomon? For the sake of your father and your mother's David, am I going to bless you beyond blessing with wisdom and tons of gold and riches? And they impacted the world. Listen, this is why the jealousy rose. Are you with me here? Are you seeing? I hope you're seeing it. I can see it. That Saul has chased. They were the David generation. We are not the ones that are going to be able... Now, for, for our sake, we're still going to be part of it. But for the sake of us, God's going to raise up a weird-looking group. We'll still be part of it. That's why I'm weird. I've already prepared myself. I, got, I mean, I, I've kind of spiffed up a little. But I'm, that's why I, I, my office is at Venice Beach. I mean, how weird is that, you know? That's a moon orbiting around another planet out there. I'm ready for weird. I'm ready to embrace the weird and love. That's why we're talking love here. So there's keys now coming. And we're now about to see the fulfillment of Bob Jones' prophecies of the the billion youth harvest. And not only him, and many others. Arthur Burt. Was he in Scotland or England? So Arthur Burt's prophecies, and he just died too, right around Bob Jones, that he saw this move of God that would come, there would be no ebb to it. Because now the Lord comes and leaves. He saw and died before his time. And right now the Lord says he's doing something, and we need to be on board with this. Are you, are you with me here? So, Father, we pray right now. Come on. Let's push into this. Because God's going to open the door. I've never seen it like this. I've never actually laid it all. I've seen it in my journals. But I've never laid it all out like this. I hope you can understand it. You'll need to get this audio. And pray this in. Because God is raising up. You know how we're going to fight? Terrorism's trying to hold this down. Everything's coming against terror to get you into fear. And there's sleeper cells of terrorism. And can we get some worship or something? Is that all right? Uh, but there's sleeper cells of terrorism. But God says he wants to raise up sleeper cells of prophetic intercession. He is right now. He's raising up sleeper cells. And you know what the Lord told me? And I'm not trying to, uh, you know, do I'm on the Elijah list for one reason. The Lord told me this. He said, I have saved the world through the Elijah list. And Steve and Doreen Schultz have been beat. To hell and back. And their health and people have spoken against them. And they release prophetic words. And, but the Lord said to me, I'm friends with them. And I'm not just trying to you know, say something to a friend. The Lord showed me, he says, because they release these words, the prophetic intercessors have grabbed hold of them and begin to pray and have prevented terroristic attacks on our soil. It's, that's homeland security. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you're doing something new. And now, God, we ask that you would open the heavens now and let these keys come to everybody who needs them. Oh, my goodness. I feel the jingling of the keys. And I was given a key. I was handed a key back a few months ago. I was handed a key. It was tarnished. And it was a key that had been used for life and death. And I was thinking, death? What's death doing on this key? My goodness. And because someone who had it was judging people. And so I redeemed that key now. And it's the key of life. And so as I stand here right now with that key, the key of life, I open up over you. In the name of Jesus, we open up over you all those things that have died or been miscarried in your in your family lines or that have been forgotten or pushed back or judged or snuffed out or whatever. Or even you might even not have known about it. We open it up right now. That's why the body of Christ has been sick. That's why many of you have been sick. I've been sick as a prophet. I carry the sickness of the body of Christ. And I know that's why I have. But I'm not anymore. I tell you, take authority in the name of Jesus. um, That we are going to move from this. The Lord is calling forth. This is the only time I'll say I'm sick when I'm honestly. What I'm trying to say here is I'm a prophet that, that lives things out. And the body of Christ is sick. And so, Father, we say heal our body. Oh, God. Oh, God. Where we've judged, we ask forgiveness. Where we've judged our brothers, our sisters. Where we haven't prayed for the President of the United States. In in, in an office that you even tell us that we need to bless that office. Can I just tell you this? People who think that President Obama is a is a Muslim, a Muslim would never put their hand on a holy Bible. I don't care what you say. He's a baby Christian. The Lord showed me he's a baby Christian. And that his purpose is about to be fulfilled. That he's going to go around the world. That's why he was kept alive. Do you know how many attacks were placed against him? Because he's going to go around the world as a peacemaker. And I heard the Lord. He said, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. That's what he told me. He says, but I'm going to tell you who I'm going to put in. He told me twice that President Obama would be there. He says, "You, I'm not telling anybody who to vote for. He says, but what you need to do is at least pray that someone will be in there with wisdom. We needed him. He was the consoling president. This is what the Lord told me. He went to so many school shootings. He went to so many tornadoed uh, out places. And so many things that had happened. And he opened with Bible verses. And Christians thought he was lying. But the Lord showed me this. That when he, when he actually sang Amazing Grace... That was from the Holy Spirit. And as the leader of our country, he released something. And the rebel flags went down that week. Yeah. They went down. The rainbow flags went up too, but let me say. (laughs) You know what the Lord said? He says, I was in on that plan. 
He said, you know why? He says, because the church has held the gays out too long. He says, I want them to, to come into churches. Because they're going to come into churches, some of them to get married. And they're going to encounter the Lord. This is what the Lord... Now, that's radical. I'm not releasing that one on Elijah. <laughs> well, I can only do it because we're in the Bay Area. And this is cereal Christians, fruits, flakes, and nuts here. We are, you know, this is, God can move in this place. I'm not, a, I'm not being, uh, I'm not being a heretic here. My heart is from, for the Lord. But he says he's releasing another strategy. And where the, the church has held it back. Now, Father, we release that. We release it out. I pray over the open heaven that's here right now. And we release love. And we repent for those areas where we have not loved. And now, Father, I just pray this right now. Uh, Brent and Suzanne, I, I, I just feel you guys just stand up. Because I felt when I came here, again, they're, yeah, we'll help you up there, guys. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, but I felt like when I came here, it was just like in 2011, we thought something was going to happen. But it couldn't happen because we weren't ready. Many of us weren't ready. We had to go through another four years of stuff. And we're back. We're here. And the Lord says that, that you're the, you guys are the keeper of one of those keys. And I don't understand what that means. But I do understand this. That you're still standing. And there's very few people standing. And I saw angels come in. Literally and sweep up those keys all over the place. I mean, callings over churches that went. I saw them over in the, in the, east, uh, over in the peninsula. Scooping up uh, keys over churches that had gone under but had calls. Uh, and I saw them come over here. And angels scoop up the keys. And you're strategically positioned. And you're going to see something begin to happen in the area of favor. And finances. And land. And so, Father, we speak right now. And that's why that, that daddy's heart... And it was really interesting. When you re-released your book, I went, oh boy, here we go. Because there the gift shifted. The carrier of the love message shifted. When I saw you do that, I knew that, wow, you just got onto a timetable with the Lord. And it's radical. He's calling you into the radical, that radical love again. That edge that ragged edge that you were out on before. That, that edge of the grace. Radical grace. It's not hyper grace. It's radical grace. And everybody in this room is called to it. There's other leaders who are being called to this in the room. So, Father, we release now. Father, oh my goodness. All the stuff from 2011 that you had called for four years later. And now as we move into January... Uh, uh, 2016, 22 years later from Toronto that got closed down by our fathers, by the way, by our fathers. So we release that out right now for what it would look like for the Bay Area. Because here's what the Lord says. The Bay Area has been looked at as judgment, but now the new key will cause a move of love to come and the world will say, look how they love one another. So there's going to be unity in the house. Unity in the, the uh, church. 
in the Bay Area. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Wow, 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 wow. Release that now. And the weight of the Lord is on this. My goodness. And so I just give you this charge now. Is to go in love. If you could step away from your opinion. Political. Spiritual. Theological. All. That's what the Lord's pruning right now. You know what happened to me when I released this out? I've had this word for... I had two dreams of President Obama. And I've had this word for him. And just last week, which if you give, you receive. So the last week I got up and I knew the Lord said, I want you to meet. I want you to release prophetic words to everybody I know in authority. And those in the, uh, the music and media and arts and entertainment mountains that I minister to. And so I email, or I text and emailed words. Three hours I recorded prophetic words for all these people. Blah, 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 over and over and over. Sent them out to everybody because you got to give to receive. And now this isn't an offering I'm doing here. This is, you got to give to receive. Within four hours, listen, within four hours, I received back a, um, an email request. Not from someone I sent it to, but it released something in the heavens. To someone who uh, ministers in Washington, I didn't even know them, and they know the president. And the dream, I got to interpret the dream about President Obama. And this person was a Republican, Christian, and had and and wasn't sure, but this person stepped away from that and blessed the office of the president. And the Lord, listen, the Lord says it's like blessing Israel. Because if you can bless Israel and you're not blessing the president, then you're missing the message. Because that office of the president is the same as the office of Israel. The Apostle Paul says it. He says that you must pray for those in charge. And when he released that, Caliglius Caesar was in charge. That we have to pray. Jesus even said. He said. With the Pharisees. He says. They sit in the seat of Moses. You must. You must listen to them. Just don't do what they do. You must bless them. You must. Those who are not blessing. Are getting cursed. So we release this right now. Father. We release blessing. These, we're choking on theological things. And we got to get back to radical love. Are you ready to be called into the government to prophesy? Are you ready to be called in like I have? I've been called into gay and lesbian churches. I've been called into new age leaders offices. I have them coming to me for prophetic words. Because I can't tell this to the public because Christians. Because I get judged. And this should be this place where we're at now. We should walk in this in this place of I'm not your judge I am not let me tell you though that God loves you and he's a father he's a loving father and he loves you he loves them that's what he told me 
He says, I can't do what my people are asking me to do to them because I love them. I can't judge the United States because I love the United States. Are you grasping this? I'm a, I tell you, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a lone voice crying in the wilderness on this. And, and they keep asking me. They ask me all the time, why am I the only prophet saying this? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm the courtroom reporter. I don't know. I don't understand. But I am saying this. This is the year that God's opening things. This is it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give a couple things away. I think we got to be out of here soon. But I know. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit won't lift. Uh, I got a book table back there. But understand your dreams now. People that are dreaming. And the Lord told me that someone's dreaming of kangaroos. Is there someone dreaming of kangaroos? You are? Yeah, I felt it really strong. Aren't you dreaming of kangaroos? So, Father, we just release that into her. The, the hoppity hop that she's about to step into something. And by the way, kangaroos represent being able to nurture because they have the pouch. Uh, the, the, the nipples are hidden in the pouch. Long story. Uh, don't even think about that. Uh, I've got an updated book. Has anyone seen Write a Book Quickly? This is my Write a Book Quickly. It's been out a long time. Helped a lot of people uh, write the books quick. I wrote my books quickly. Uh, but how to write it. But this is fully updated now. It's fully, fully updated. Not just partially. Uh, but it's now thicker. And we added three chapters and how to publish on Kindle and how to write. To, uh, yeah, I know you, you have it. You have it too. Here, yeah, I saw the light of the Lord on you. Here, someone had this to take. Nope, it's for this guy back here. In Jesus' name. But if you've ever bought my book, write a book quickly. Um, this one's a fully updated one. Speaking of writing books and losing weight, this is the time of year. I lost 40 pounds and I've kept it off since uh, for over 10 years. I know I'm a little thin right now because I, I'm recovering from, from Lyme. But this is back then. But it was personal development God's way is how to discover your destiny. Uh, the Lord actually gave me a name. Uh, I think it was Casey. The name Casey. Is, it, is there someone with Casey? Here, the Lord said Casey needs this book and, and told me that. Um, hey, your name's Casey? His name's Casey. All right. Well, you've got another Casey? Oh, is there who? 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 Oh, there he goes. All right. Is it okay? He wouldn't be able to read this. So it, this is what is this? Casey. Bob, the, the Lord told me about you. There's something in this chapter 10, especially on hearing God. And um, I just love giving away books prophetically. Um, I just released my latest. Everything you just heard me talk about is the 2016 prophetic forecast. And for the first time, I've never been able to take all my words and put them together into a forecast. This is for the next seven years. Uh, strategies and things that are that are happening. I don't have my Christmas morning thing in here yet about the house, but um, that'll that'll be out. Uh, but I heard the Lord on, um, gosh, uh, anyway, uh, Sarah, Sarah Ann. Is it Sarah Ann? It's that Sarah Ann. Is, it, is there someone by the name of Sarah Ann? Last call, Sarah Ann. There's there's rumblings in the back. I'm Sarah and she's Ann. We'll split it. <laughs> anyway, I got to hold on to... Where? There? You're a man. Why do you have your hand up? Oh, there. there. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Here you go. 
There's something in that for you. And one more uh, good friend of mine, Jonathan Nixon. He's actually a producer in Hollywood. He used to have a, he's actually lives in Arizona, but uh, he had an MTV show. And his wife's an attorney, Beth Nixon, Elizabeth Nixon. And he did a documentary on angels. And it says here, Randy Clark, John Paul Jackson, James Gall, Gall and, and more. That's me. And more. <laughs> I have over 14 chapters in this book, more than anybody else. That's why I'm and more, because I have more. But because I'm humble. I'm changing my name to more. And more. There, there he is. He's right on the front there. See that? Angel stories. Yes, I know you. You got to have this cat. You do. In Jesus' name. Wow. 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 And also, at the back table, I know we probably have to get out of here, but at the back table, I'm doing my a special on all my online training, the Dream Crash Course, Tattoo Interpretation Online Course, and my Write a Book, uh, Write Your Book Now, Everything You Need to write a book, a kit, everything, videos and how to put it up on, on Kindle, uh, Word documents, half price. All those are half price, which means you're down uh, less than two, $2 a session, like down to $48, but you got to buy it here. And that's it. So, Father, we stand up a minute. We just say, say thank you, Lord. Wow, thank you for what you're doing. God, we just uh, release now the uh, prophetic anointing dreams and visions. Understanding. What do we got? Yeah. Oh, I'm just clapping my jaws. <laughs> Can we just thank the Lord for Doug? Thanks, buddy.